Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. of messages on our theme this year, and that is how to stay strong. We're living in a society where it's becoming increasingly difficult to stand as a Christian and to stay strong. And so we want to make sure everyone is able to take good notes and to be able to follow along uh, the preaching uh, this morning. Now, because these principles are so important, each week I'm going to do a quick recap because every one of these principles we should be implementing into our life right now. This isn't something we do in the future. This is something that can help you stay strong in your Christian faith today. And so I want to remind you of these principles. We looked several weeks ago at stay strong principle number one. We looked in the life of Daniel and that is that someone is taking your picture. And we examined the life of Daniel and how he controlled the controllables and we can control our attitude and our effort. Daniel, he respected non-perfect authority. And then Daniel was not afraid to have his picture taken. And the principle behind that is the fact that Daniel, when he was told he was no longer allowed to pray, he didn't change his habits, he didn't go into hiding, he still opened his windows as he did every single day when he prayed, and he knew that someone was taking his picture. And I'm certain that Daniel was, um, was not ashamed that he, that day, prayed as he did before because he loved God so much. In our second message, Stay Strong Principle number two, we said this, someone needs your encouragement. And many of you, even over uh, the last couple of weeks, you have gone out of your way to encourage someone else. Someone needs your encouragement. That could be your spouse or one of your children. That could be someone in the job place. That could be someone right here in our church family. Someone needs your encouragement. Instead of thinking only about ourselves, we should be thinking about someone else. Too often today, we are laser focused on the mistakes of others rather than ignoring the successes that exist in other people's lives. And we looked at the life of Barnabas and how that Barnabas, he led by example, and he persuasively encouraged those around him, including Saul, who later became Paul, and John Mark, who was known as a quitter. Barnabas was a remarkable encourager, one that we can learn from this morning. Last week, we introduced principle number three, and that is your commitments reveal your cause. What are you all about? What, what defines who you are? Well, your commitments reveal your cause. And we should be like Elisha, who is doing his job, whether or not anyone noticed. Do you know we should live a faithful Christian life, whether or not anyone else notices. We should be faithful because we serve him and not other people. And therefore, we should be passionate in our purpose. There's a lot of people who are emotional, but we should be passionate and committed to our purpose. And we should avoid those 
uh, half-hearted, embarrassing, uh, half-committed efforts that so often we participate in. Take your Bibles this morning and quickly go with me back to the book of Daniel, chapter number 1. Daniel chapter number 1. In message number 1, we looked at Daniel, but his, his story is so great, I'd like to go back to it today and see uh, uh, if we can learn something else from Daniel. Now, principle number 4 and principle number 5, they go hand in hand. So I'm going to cover two uh, uh, principles today, and I trust that both of these, uh, when you leave here today, you can say, wow, I, I can use these in my own life. And so if you would, look with me in Daniel chapter number 1. We're going to read the first eight verses right here. I'll just go ahead for continuity. I'll read these eight verses this morning. In the third year of the reign of Jeho Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. In other words, he took it over. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now, he describes this. This should be children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Then it goes on to explain in verse number 5, So the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. This was going to be a long three-year experiment. Now among them, there were four children of, of Judah or of Israel. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel, in other words, he changed their names, that he gave Daniel the name of Belt, uh, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. We are very familiar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, verse number 8 is a profound verse. It begins with the word what? But. All right, so we have the background. We know what's about to happen. The king says, I want you to select the best of the best of the, of the brightest of our young men. Men who are not stained and scarred by the sins of this world. They have a pureness about them. And when you look at them, uh, there's no blemish that can be found in them. They're basically perfect young men. And I'm going to feed them uh, with only the king's portion of the meat, the best wine in all the land for a period of three years. And then they're going to be able to, to stand before all of the people and be able to teach them. But, Daniel purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself father i ask that in this dangerous day and age in which we live people who oftentimes are content to go through the daily routines of life without ever thinking about that we can change this world through you and Lord, we just allow others to change us. Father, forgive us for that. Father, may we learn something about Daniel today that could instrumentally our family and our church. Please help us, Heavenly Father, to listen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you're visiting, I rarely use visual illustrations. I just usually preach. But I'd like to use a visual illustration this morning, and I have before me a table. And if you're on my far right, I'll pick things up. I have three vases. There's a a tall cylinder vase uh, this morning. And then I have another vase, uh, like an apple or pear. Uh, And then I have a square vase uh, here this morning. Uh, Three different vases. Um, And then I also have a pitcher of water. And I would like to pour this water into each one of these uh, vases here and uh, to make an illustration this morning. And here's what's interesting when I do this. And uh, that is, is that there is a a lesson that is to be learned. Um, uh, What you see here is three vases. Is that correct? Do you see three vases? All right. Do you see the water? And you saw me pour the water into the vases. So we have three vases and we have water. And so that, uh, uh, when we look at that, we can see here that I poured the water into the three vases. Now here's what's interesting. The vase determines the shape of the water. The vase determines the shape of the water. And so in all three of these, the water has 100% conformed to the vase. Whether it's square, whether it's pear-shaped, or whether it's tall and cylinder, the water has conformed to the shape of the vase. The pitcher, or, or the vase, excuse me, the, the, the pitcher is used to pour the water, but the vase is the what determines the shape of the water. The water always 100% of the time conforms to the shape of the, of the vase. Now listen, church members, every single one of us as a church member falls into one of two categories. We're the vase or we're the what? The water. Every one of us, we're either the vase or we're the water. If I could use a a sports analogy, simply put, competition is the struggle between players who act like the act like the the vase here uh, and the players who act like the water. I'd like to introduce our fourth stay strong principle at this time. And if we, as Tucson Baptist Church, are to stay strong in our 65th year, we have got to take this one seriously. And that is this: we must impose our will or impose your will. If I could go back to the game of basketball, defense is rarely a battle of skills as much as it is a battle of wills. And it has been said that offense uh, wins games, but it's defense that wins championships. Whoever imposes their will on their opponent increases the odds of winning that game. Now, please, please do not miss this. Christians, uh, who do not, who Christians who do not allow worldly vases to impose its will on them dramatically increase the odds of success in their Christian lives. May I just say that these three vases could represent a Christian life or the world or a, or a life that is quasi, you know, I come to church when I feel like it. And in each one of these vases, the water always conforms to the vase. And here's what's happening in our society today. Christians, sadly, are conforming to the vase of this world. And in the process, we're giving up our Christian heritage. And in the process, we stand for nothing. In the process, we're ashamed to stand for that which is right. 
We don't say, that is wrong, that is sinful, that is evil, because we have allowed ourselves to be conformed to the vase of the world's system. Allow me to illustrate. Luke Ashiki was part of the ill-fated Everest expedition in 1996 that became the basis for the movie entitled Everest. Um, in John Krakauer's uh, book, Into Thin Air, uh, Lou published his own uh, book of this expedition, After the Wind. And in, in these two books, the story is told of what happened. Lou explained the concept of something that's called turnaround time. Uh, and when on Everest, if climbers have not ascended or climbed up to uh, that certain point of time, uh, known as the turnaround time, no matter what the weather's like, if it's good or whether the weather is bad, all members of that party, they have agreed before they ever left to turn around and descend. Well, in this 1996, what happened is they, as a group of climbers, they began to ascend Mount Everest, and they that fateful day, the climbers, they had all agreed where that turnaround time would be, but as they ascended Everest, a majority of the group decided to go against the turnaround time and to continue on. The result was the deadliest day Mount Everest had ever had to that time. Eight people in the expedition party, including its leader, Rob Hall, died that day. In an incredibly sad moment, Rob Hall, the leader, was famously recorded on his satellite phone asking his eight-month pregnant wife to name his future daughter, Sarah. And in spite of the fact that much of the group uh, continued climbing past the, the turnaround time, there was one man named Lou who followed the turnaround time and interestingly has lived to tell his story. Lou was a vase, not the water. I take you back to Daniel chapter number one. In our story here of Daniel, he is part of the captivity into Babylon and, and it places Daniel in a very similar situation. The Babylonian people tried to impose their will on Daniel. In fact, they tried to change his name. They tried to change his diet. They tried to change his relationship with his God on multiple occasions. And let's be reminded what our, uh, what's going on in our text. The king has made a demand. I've already explained that to you. However, Daniel would have none of that. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, I think it's one of the most powerful verses in God's word as we have this insight into a man who would not allow the world to impose its form and its shape on Daniel. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Do you remember our first message? Someone is always taking your picture. Someone's always listening to the words that come out of your mouth. Someone is always watching your attitude. Someone is always observing you. If you have a testimony and you say that I am a believer, they're watching for you to make a mistake. The Bible even says that Daniel, in a previous verse that we looked at in message number one, but when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he still went into his house, he still opened his windows, and he prayed as he had done aforetime. Every single day, he continued to pray. The world that Daniel lived in is much like the world that we live in today. Folks, I know I say it 
too often probably, and you just tune me out as soon as I say it. This world that we live in is wicked. And every single week, there's something new that happens. And we shake our head and we say, can it get any worse? I mean, we have, uh, we, we, we have absolute filth and garbage being paraded around on mainstream media. And you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to impose their will on you. And here's the thing. We must accept the LGBT movement. We must accept that it's okay for two transgender parents to raise transgender children so that they can have deforming surgeries. And if you don't believe that, there's something wrong with you. And our world, is, our world over and over is trying to put us in its mold. And we do not have the courage of a Daniel. We do not have the courage of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We do not have the courage to say, No, I am going to serve the God, the God who sent his son to save me from my sins, and I'm going to stand up no matter the cost. Did Daniel know that when he was thrown into the lion's den that he would be saved? He did not know, but did he still stand? Yes. We do not know that if our stand, uh, uh, that, that, that there could be consequences with our stand. That could happen. But I have to give an account to God, not the world. And I'm sick and tired of us allowing the world to conform us. We become water when we just say, okay, that's what the world says. Oh, that's just CNN. Oh, that's just Fox News. Oh, that's just the, how bad and sick our world is. Folks, we got to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. There's some things that are wrong according to the Bible. There are some things that are right according to the Bible. And we've got to quit being so tight-lipped and ashamed and cower in the face of the world trying to impose its will on us. The world which Daniel lived he could be thrown in a den of lions. Here's what the world tells us. They tell us what kind of language to listen to. They tell us what kind of music to listen to. They tell us what kind of movies to watch. They tell us through social media what kind of videos that we're to watch. The world is always trying to impose its, its will on us. And today, listen, we have a teenager who says, I want to keep myself pure until I am married. And the world scoffs at them. The urge to follow the majority is strong. And the world is imposing its will not only on the lost, but on churches. And Christians should not always play defense. And while it is true, the world should not impose its will on us. You know what? Christians should be imposing God's will on the world. We've got to stand up. From the very mouth of Jesus Christ, he said this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You know what Jesus was saying? If we lose our influence, if we lose our testimony, if we're ashamed to be stand, we have lost our flavor. We're good for nothing just to be thrown out. The application of this principle is very, very simple. Either the world will impose their will on us or we will impose our will on them. 
So do not allow the world to, to conform you to its it's base, even though it may look different and it may look attractive and it may look like, hey, I like the square base better than the round base. May I just tell you that we have got to stand up and realize if Tucson Baptist Church is to be here five more years, we've got to determine today to impose our will. Being on both teams is not an option. I ask you, can the, wa the, can the water be in both bases at the same time? It's impossible. But there's too many Christians trying to be in both vases at the same time. We're trying to be accepted by the world and accepted at my church. And on Sunday, it's good. Everybody knows what I'm like on Sunday. I can be accepted on one day. But then when it comes to Monday, I go back and I live in the filth, scum world, and I laugh at the world's jokes. I even participate in the jokes. I even talk about the things that are an affront to God Almighty, and I'm trying to live in both ways. May I just say, being on both teams is not an option. You cannot be on the devil's team and God's team at the same time. Friend, it's either one or the other. And working hand in hand with our fourth principle of that is that it, it, I really think it's a, a, a direct rebuke to all of us. We come to our fifth principle quickly, and that comes from an Old Testament story still there in the Old Testament. If you could turn back a few pages in your Bible to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and go with me to 2 Samuel. Uh, we're going to listen to a story here, and I'm going to introduce to you because too many Christians are trying to be conformed to the vase or the world systems, listen to principle number five. Here's principle number five. The voices you listen to impact your choices. The voices you listen to impact your choices. Oh, listen to me to this story in 2 Samuel 13 as I read verse 1 through 3. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. In other words, she was mighty fine to look at. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. And verse number 3 says this, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle or evil man. Let me share with you another story. That's the, in contrast, if I were to take you back to Genesis chapter 39, we'd be introduced to a man by the name of Joseph. The Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. A few verses later, and it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he, Joseph, refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. A few verses later, and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph 
and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. There's two distinct stories here. One who listened to a vile, corrupt, evil friend. And one who had a relationship with God and God was his friend. The voices you listen to determines the choices you make. Amnon listened to the voice of a bad friend when the Bible repeatedly says that the Lord was with Joseph. Two years after Amnon's immoral scheme concerning Tamar, he was dead. The Lord was with Joseph, though. Do you remember Joseph? He was sold into slavery. He had to go to a new land, learn a new language, learn a new custom. He was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Joseph had a difficult life, but... He never wavered in his faith with his God. There's some common voices in your life, music and friends, what you watch, what you read. And I ask you, is a person who listens to music about sex and drugs and cheating and alcohol more, like, more or less likely to make the right choice if they find themselves in a vehicle with alcohol? Is a person who's consistent in Bible reading and prayer more or less likely to maintain an appropriate relationship with the opposite sex even in less than perfect or ideal situations? Does what you scroll through on your phone impact the choices you make? Oh, we have begged parents not to allow their children to have social media, to, be, to not have TikTok. It is foolish to have TikTok. Some will get mad because I said it, but I don't care. I am not going to be conformed to the mold of the world. In fact, if you have TikTok on your phone, you ought, to you ought to delete it today, or you are saying it's okay for me to be on the devil's team and the Lord's team, and it's impossible to do. But we no longer have parents who have courage. Now listen, Mom and Dad, this is a strong rebuke to you, and I'm sorry. As your pastor, as your under-shepherd, as the gatekeeper, here's what I'm going to say. We have some moms and dads who do not have the courage to do what's right when it comes to your own children who are 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, still live under your rules and your house, and you do not have the courage and the backbone of a Daniel or a Joseph. And the fact is, is you're allowing your children to make unwise decisions and your children are completely conformed to the world. And this is your child. Oh, they may even sit in this auditorium at this very minute and they're sweating like I'm sweating. <laughs> but they're conformed to the world. Because we don't have mom and moms and dads who any longer allow the voices of the pastor and the youth pastor and the growth group teacher and vacation Bible school to be the voice they listen to. Moms and dads say, hey, listen, as long as you stay out of trouble, why don't you go ahead and you can be a part of TikTok, Snapchat. And we have moms and dads here that you do not even know that your sons and daughters send naked pictures to other people. I know it. I've even told some mom and dad, and the moms and dads still have not taken away social media from their child. Who are part of this church. Folks, I'm illustrating not some other church, not some other city. I'm saying right here at Tucson Baptist Church in Tucson, Arizona, 
People sitting in underneath the sound of my voice who are watching by live stream today, we are more interested in being conformed to the world and its values than we are to what God has told us to do. And I don't expect to win any popularity contests, but I'm sick and tired of the devil taking away our children. Amen. And if no one has the courage to speak the truth into your life, I will have the courage to purpose in my heart to be a Daniel. And if I have to go to prison like Joseph for speaking the truth, even though it would be hard for me to say goodbye to my family, I will go to prison for speaking the truth. It is sinful, it is evil, it is wicked what we are allowing our children that live in our own home to be a part of. We have our own sons and daughters in this very, in this very church who talk about having sex and threesomes and text each other about that. I'm telling you, I didn't even know even any part. I didn't even know about this, till, this terminology until I was married. I was an adult. And we have 16-year-olds who are texting. I have read the text myself personally. I'm not telling you something that's hearsay. I've read the text. There's an ungodliness that exists, and God is not pleased. And there's some teenagers like this right down. They cannot even make eye contact with me. Folks, here's what the Bible says. A person who spends time with godly people, they're going to reach new heights of spiritual success. A person who spends time with the things of this world, they're going to they're embrace the LGBT campaign. They're going to en en embrace the transgender movement. They're going to embrace the sickness and moral decay of this world. And, uh, and then we're going to want, we're going to ask this question. I lost my son. I lost my daughter. What happened? Listen to me. Please listen to me. Here's what happened. You wouldn't listen to, wouldn't listen to your preacher. I actually had a person say, well, you're not trained. In this church, a man in this church said, well, you're not trained in these issues. You're right. Here's what I'm trained in. Thus saith the word of God. I've read the book. I've read Romans chapter number one. I know what God has said about the perverse wickedness sin that exists. And there's people sitting here right now under the preaching of God's word who said, I'm not trained. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me take my son or my daughter to some counselor who does not know God, who does not care about God, who does not know anything about God. And you let, your, that, counselor, you let that counselor fix your child. say, well, what are you worked up about? I'm sick of losing our children. Amen. Our church has no future if we continue to allow them to listen to the voices of the world. My time is almost gone, and I understand that. But I'd like for you to listen to this. Every parent, please listen carefully, every parent who allows their child to have social media, you have given up your right. Listen, you've given up your right to the outcome of your child. You say, well, that's harsh. It's true. We have 13-year-olds who have cell phones, who have Snapchat, and have TikTok in our own church. There's nothing healthy about that. There's nothing godly about that. 
Go ahead and let the Chinese have all of the information about your child. And in the process, you allow the wickedness of the world to go into their eyes and into their heart. And then you say, man, they're 16 and they don't even want to come to church anymore. The Bible says this, iron sharpens iron. And a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, you know what we need? In that threefold cord, we need family and we need church and we need God. And you did not hear me say we need the world. Church members can honestly be divided into three categories. There are those who've decided that they will not surrender to God's plan for their life. And folks, if we have a church of 700 instead of a church of 1,000 and that 700 loves God, I'm okay with that. If I have to take a pay cut because we don't have enough church members to pay my salary, I'm okay with that. If we're going to love God. And we're going to save our children. And there are people that say, I categorically reject what you have preached this morning. That's fair. There are Christians who say they are not going to surrender to God's will. There are some that you're going to talk about lunch and you're going to laugh at me as your pastor. I'm okay with that. There are some that are so deeply uh, addicted to the sin of pornography in this room. And you know... That is destroying. There are so many sins that the world has refined and Christians are okay to participate in. The second group, there are those Christians who have decided they will surrender to God's plan for their life. Then there's a third group, those who they want to do what God wants them to do, but they continue to fail in those efforts. The third category is by far the largest group. The Apostle Paul indicates that he struggled with this challenge in his own life. And he said this, For that, for that which I do, I allow not. For, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. I'm just struggling with. I know there's sin. I know that there's areas of my life I'm struggling with. And the solution to this challenge can be found in, a, uh, uh, in the fact that we have to understand a biblical concept. If I feed the flesh, the flesh always wins. If I feed the spirit, the spirit wins. And every time I read my Bible and I spend time in prayer and I listen to or, or, uh, 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 or I listen to and I hang out with a godly uh, a church member, a godly family member, or I listen to godly music, and, and I'm saying that there's a lot of latitude in music. But here's what I'm saying is that if we're putting the world's voices in our heads, there's going to be a direct negative impact on our children and our grandchildren. Wrong music. Wrong TV watching. It leads to us hanging out in ungodly company. And those voices leads us to acting outside of God's plan. This concept is simple and understandable. Everyone must be spiritually accountable. And that's why we come to church. Now I have anticipated the results of this message and I have begged God to help me this morning. I am not trying to alienate anyone here today, but I am trying to speak the truth and sometimes the truth spoken in love hurts. 
I recognize that. There's some families that need to make some hard decisions because you know that I spoke the truth. Having said that, as a pastor, I have never tried to win a popularity contest because one day I will stand before God. And one day I will have to give the simple truth is why did you not preach the whole counsel of God's word? And I'm begging you today to consider the message. We must impose our will on the world, not the world on us. And secondarily, in principle number five, is that the voices I listen to will directly impact if I'm successful as a Christian or if I'm conformed to the world. Do I have to live in this world? The answer is yes. I have to live in this world. You have to live in this world. We have to have a job. We need to pay our bills. We vote. We do our very best to be great citizens where we, do, we don't have to worry about the police coming to our house to rectify a situation. We do that. But there's so much more to it. And that is, is that the world needs to hear that I am a Christian and I'm not afraid to open the windows. I'm not afraid for you to know that I'm a Christian. And in my family, I'm doing my very best not to lose my children, not to lose my grandchildren, because I'm going to have a testimony that's not reproachable to the God that saved me. What are we doing, fam uh, What are we doing, church family? Visitor, uh, if you're here, I don't always preach this way in this direct. Please come back. <laughs> but I'm having a family talk today. It's time that we do what is right. And that we grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that we're willing to make the hard decisions so that I as water am not conformed to the world. Maybe I could be a vase. And that others are conformed to what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches. Please don't go away angry. If you do, maybe that's indicative of something that's going on in your own life. I would hope that in this perverse, wicked generation that we live, that every week gets worse and worse, that you would be thankful that you go to a church where your pastor is not afraid to preach the Word of God. And may I just challenge you today. May I challenge you, please pray for your pastor. Because I've called out the devil today. And I am fearful. I am fearful of the devil. And so I want you to pray for God's protection for your pastor.